The regular season is over, and now the real season has begun. The first of four wins moves on. The loser goes home. The first of 16 wins takes home Lord Stanley's Holy Grail. What are the matchups? Who is going deep? Are the Tampa Bay Lightning in the best position, or is there a team out there that could ruin absolutely everything? Predictions will be submitted. Guarantees, far from guaranteed, because anything can happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So with that being said, sit back and fill out those brackets because the 2019 NHL Playoff Preview Show starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome everyone to episode 166 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. Uh, we planned on having a guest help us preview the playoffs. There were some schedule conflicts, um, but uh, we'll have that mystery guest uh, back on the show soon. We're excited to have him on the program. Uh, he's going to provide a lot of insights, so stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, let's look at the playoff field because in case you missed it, Columbus became the final team to clinch a playoff spot following a shootout win over the Rangers Friday night, knocking out the Montreal Canadiens from playoff contention. The night before that, Arizona was dismissed after Colorado forced overtime against Winnipeg. That lone point was enough to clinch them a playoff spot. And before that, Minnesota and Chicago were also eliminated. So... Columbus and Colorado took home the final wildcard spots. And overall, round one is uh, going to be pretty competitive. There are a few top seeds that down the road could be beatable. So, uh, Brett, where are we going to start off here? Yeah, we're going to start off with um, the uh, the Atlantic Division. Um, okay. We're going to start off with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, so they're kind of like almost the exact opposite of teams in, the, in a sort. Uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, they finished off the, the uh, season um, at one. They had 128 points. They went 62, 16, and 4. Um, historic season by far, um, and then Columbus, um, they are ki- they kind of j- even though they made a lot of trades for rental players uh, during the trade deadline, they just barely made the playoffs this time around, um, and now they have the misfortune of playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's kind of funny in a way because it's like you know they made all these moves at the deadline because they wanted to make that playoff push and yet their first opponent is going to be like the best team um in the last couple of years um is their opponent so it's it's um you know it's one of those things that it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how I mean, on the plus side, I guess, it's the, you know, this is going to be Matt Duchesne's first uh, playoffs, finally, after his, like, I think he's been in the league for, like, 10 years or so. 
So there's well, that. I think, I think he, I think his team has been in the playoffs before when he was in Colorado, but I don't think he really played that much playoff hockey, and, it, oh. and it's been a while. So a, a long time coming for a return. Oh, you might be right. I, I do. I. Oh yeah, you might be right. But I, I do remember back when he was traded to the Senators, he was saying that yeah. he can't wait to play, finally play for a playoff team. But, oh, oh, I know who I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of Ryan O'Reilly. Um, oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. it'll be Ryan O'Reilly. We'll, we'll get to Ryan O'Reilly, but that, that'll be Ryan O'Reilly's oh, yeah, yeah. first playoff game. Um, yeah, he, he, played with, he played with Duchesne in Colorado. Exactly, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a Colorado connection there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, so it's going to be it's a little bit um, interesting in that regard. Um, yeah, so I don't know... Uh, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I guess I didn't say that Columbus Blue Jackets have 98 points in 82 games. I mean, I guess, obviously, 82 games. Um, <laughs> I'm going to continue to say that, I guess. Um, let's start off. That, so, just to, just to, before we go any further, Columbus was the final team to clinch, and they got 98 points. That yeah. speaks to how strong the Eastern Conference was this year. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean... And they're and they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. I just yeah. you know it's like Tampa Bay is going to be, um, it's like a juggernaut. Um, so yeah, and, and it was it was just so tight because I yeah. remember going into Saturday, we only knew two of the eight matchups. Everything yeah. was decided after the games were played. Yep. Um. So uh, kind of like a little bit of a, um. I don't know, kind of something a little bit extra here. Uh, we each, uh, both me and Steve, um, each uh, got assigned a team. So we each have eight teams, one for each series. Um, and we we declared one player to watch in each series. Um, it's kind of random, kind of not random. Um, so... We figured that's like an interesting way to go about uh, previewing uh, all these eight series so far. So my team for this series was the Columbus Blue Jackets. I guess I'll go first. Um, yeah. We can switch off. Um, I'll I'll go. Uh, so my player is uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, Oh, I guess another wrinkle is, and I don't know if Steve followed it, but um, <laughs> I, I I wanted to, like, I felt like it would be unfair if I said, like, of course you're going to, for, like, the Blue Jackets, of course you're going to watch Artemi Panarin um, if you're watching the Blue Jackets because he is their best player. But I, I, I kind of wanted to, with all my picks at least, I wanted uh, players that, um, you know, are kind of unheralded and I kind of am curious to see how they'll, or I, I'm curious to see how they'll do come playoff time. Um, yeah, so my, so my player is Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, he kind of, you know, he's had a pretty good season this year, uh, 61 points in 82 games. Uh, last year he had, he also had a great season, but, um, he kind of has, you know, he's been an interesting player throughout for them because I remember back when he was drafted, in 2016, you know, people thought that uh, the Blue Jackets should have picked uh, Pouliouarvi, um, and you know, du Dubois has definitely been like a top line center for them. Um, 
So I am kind of curious to see uh, how he's going to do, um, you know, come playoff time when there's a little bit more pressure um, and all that stuff. Yeah, because he'll be going up against uh, the likes of, you yeah. know, Stamkos and Point and yeah, so, Kucherov, who kind of won the scoring title. So. Right, exa- kind of. He, he did. But yeah, no, you're right. It's it's more of like I'm I'm just curious more to see if you know because I feel like the playoffs is an well I, I don't feel like it it is the playoffs is like an extra um, motivation. It's when you're more clutch. So I'm kind of curious to see how he is on the next level of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so who's your player to watch? Uh, on Columbus? Oh, on, uh, on Tampa Bay. Oh, on Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I'm kind of hoping this player does well, not just because he's a talented player and he's making some big strides, but he's also on my playoff fantasy team. So okay. there's some first, pers- there's some personal gains that hopefully uh, comes with my selection. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Anthony Sorelli, but I have a feeling you're about Ooh, to by the end one. of these playoffs. He registered a point in 11 of his last 17 games, including 10 of 12 from March 1st to March 25th. Um, also very, very deadly shorthanded. Uh, he scored a couple of big goals this year, one goal shy of 20 during the regular season. Uh, in 18 games played last year, he had five goals and 11 points uh, and only recorded three in the postseason two of which were goals. Um, But when the Oshawa Generals took part in the Memorial Cup a few years back in 2015, this guy was a critical part of their playoff run. He scored the Memorial Cup winner against Kelowna in overtime. Uh, Two years uh, later with the Erie Otters back in Memorial Cup again, he picked up eight points in five games in that tournament. Um, During the Otters playoff run, he had 15 goals and 31 points in 22 playoff games. So I... I, I kind of look at Anthony Sorelli as a guy that once he gets his feet wet, you're going to start to see him take over some games. And I think the reason why not too many people are talking about him is because, like I said, there's a lot of star-studded talent yep. on Tampa that you look at before you look at this guy. But um, I think he's going to be an impact player for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and for the sake of my fantasy team, I certainly hope he is an impact player. Yeah, there's like a, you know... it. The Lightning have a habit of like drafting, like picking at gems um, in the late round. Of course, you have Kucherov and Braden Point, but like Yanni Gord is another one, Tyler Johnson. Um, and then now it seems like Sorelli. I liked what I've seen of the glimpses of when I've, when I've watched this Lightning team. So, um, yeah, that's a good pick here. Um, <laughs> more on, more under the radar than than uh, my pick for Columbus. Um, so now uh, who, now we just, you know, we try to predict here, so we're going to do who's going to win and how many games. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting because I've been seeing all these different predictions everywhere, and a lot of them are predicting the Lightning, um, obviously, for obvious reasons, and you know, I think their you know their forward depth is better, their defense depth is better, their goaltending is better. Um, although Bobrovsky is better than Vasilevsky overall, but this year it seems like it's Vasilevsky's time. Um, I still think that Columbus is actually going to have some fight in it. 
Um, you know, if I were to be like a true contrarian, I would say that Columbus is going to win, but I'm not going to go that far. Um, and I'm going to say that Tampa is going to win in six. Hmm, interesting. Um, I, I would say, I, 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 my, my doubts with this Columbus team kind of makes me want to say Tampa in five, but I, I'm going with Tampa in six as well. Okay. Um, uh, Tampa might have all the talent in the world on the roster, but um, what probably some people don't know is that Tampa Bay has actually taken the most minor penalties in the league this year. Um, at the same time, they're also sixth in hits, so they're not afraid to intimidate with their physical play. Um, they also own the six fewest giveaways in the NHL, so capitalizing on mistakes isn't going to be easy when they're a team that doesn't make too many hiccups to begin with. Um, so if, if Columbus is going to win this series, uh, as tall of an order it is, as it is, they have to get Tampa's superstars off of their A-game. Yep. And it's not going to be easy. I don't know if they can do it. Um, especially when you consider that this Tampa team is not a team of individuals. It's more than a team that's tied the NHL record for most wins in a season is more than Nikita Kucherov becoming the highest Russian scorer in a single campaign. It's one big unit driven by one goal with unfinished business. That game seven loss to Washington, they want to prove to everyone that they're as good as, as they appear to be on TV. And all they need to do is win in the playoffs. And I think this is going to be their year where they finally get to the finals and maybe realize their dream. So I don't think Columbus is going to get in Tampa Bay's way. I say Tampa in six. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason why I think that uh, Columbus is going to win at least two games um, is just more because, like, I feel like, like you know, they have Seth Jones, they have Zach Wierenski, and I feel like Bobrovsky, like, although he slipped this year, he does have the capability of owning a game and taking over. So I feel like, you know, there is a potential. Like, if Columbus were to win this series, like, Bob Brofsky has to be on his A game. He has to be all class. Yeah, he has to be, he you know. He has to be miles better. Yeah, he has to be, like, the Vezina, uh, Vezina Bobrovsky a couple of years ago type player. Um um, a couple of years ago, yeah, and not to mention you have to have like Panarin, Atkinson, Duchesne, all bringing their their A game as well with Seth Jones and Wierenski. So, um, it could happen, but it's it doesn't seem likely, um, with with everything. Um, all right, but I don't know. It's always funny because I feel like the play I've learned through the at least from the last couple of playoffs that like. You know, you can't take everything for granted, even. So, like, you know, there's always some big surprise, I feel like. So, it shouldn't be surprising that if Columbus... I guess Columbus beating the Lightning would be the only big surprise in this playoffs, but... I would, I I would say it's, uh, if, if Columbus beats Tampa Bay, I say it's bigger than the Islanders knocking off the Penguins in 93. Oh, okay. Like this, this would be an epic upset if it happens. Yeah. But um, it's still. It's, I mean, it's, it's, and it's not 
because that Columbus is a bad team. It's that Tampa is yeah. one of the best teams we've ever seen. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. In any season. Yeah. Um, but, like, the crazy thing is is that Columbus is a, has 98 points in their season. So it's not like they're, like, yeah. a walk in the park either kind of thing. Yeah, you know, they're a yeah. talented team. It's just that yeah. Tampa is expected to win and they're miles above everyone else. Exactly. Um, so uh, we go to our next series. Uh, this is going to be the one that I'm going to pay the most attention to. I wonder Obviously. why. Yeah, Obviously. I know. Uh, it's going to be kind of crazy. Uh, so it's going to be the uh, rematch of last year's first round, uh, which was also very exciting. We had uh, the Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs, Boston Bruins, obviously. Um, yeah, the uh, this is a, a rematch again. It's kind of like crazy to think about it just because um, in the old system, you know, the Bruins would have had the second seed in the Eastern Conference, um, and they wouldn't have played the Lightning until the um, Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs are also in the top 10 in all of the league, um, but yet they're facing off in the uh, th uh, first round. Toronto is the uh, seventh best team in the league, and the Bruins are the third best team in the league, and they're playing each other in the first round. Um, and then if they win, they get to play the best team in the league. So one of those three teams in the top ten are going to um, have a shot at, in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals, assuming Columbus doesn't go that far. Um, but... Uh, yeah, even still, it's um, it's kind of uh, crazy. The Bruins have 107 points, and the Maple Leafs have 100 points. Um, yeah, it, it will be a rematch of everything. Um, of course, I got uh, Steve assigned me the uh, no coincidence at all that I have the Bruins as my team for this series in the players to watch. Um, I, I was, so, I, as, as you know, we've talked a lot about this guy for, um, forever, but, uh, particularly in the playoffs, um, you know, a lot of Bruins fans, me included, are, have been trying to figure out if, if he's the right player f to lead this team in the playoffs, and of course, I'm talking about, Tuka Rask here. Um, he's going to be my player to watch. Um, wow. I know. Wow. I know. We're going to go with uh, your – I thought you were going to go with your boy, DeBrusque. Yeah, no, I was – yeah, I was I was thinking of DeBrusque because he is an underrated player that I think people should look out for. If it, if I was – if we were going purely by skater, then I'd go with Jake DeBrusque. But um, I do kind of want to point – to the fact that, like, you know, just I think there is this, there's more of a narrative for Tuka Rask here, um, where I feel like, you know, a lot, there's like, the Bruins camps are like with, are kind of split in two here. Uh, there's one side that believes that, like me, that believes that he is a good goalie, he can take us far into the playoffs. Um, and then there's another, 
Um, and then there's another side led by Michael Felger, who believes that uh, he, uh, you know, Tukarask is not reliable, and he won't. Uh, he's not going to be the goaltender to. Uh, uh, he 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 crumbles in in big pressure moments like the playoffs, even though he has like a 922 save percentage in the playoffs. Um, he's one of our the, the Bruins' best goaltenders um, in franchise history. He has the most wins in regular season. So it's um, so I think it, it all comes down to if Tuka Rask can be the guy here um, and actually lead the team. Um, he's been kind of shaky all season, minus that one stretch in February but like um so so this is the time where I want to see if Tuka Rask can sustain consistent um success and if the Bruins expect to go far Tuka Rask has to be phenomenal amazing even um um you know not just beating Toronto but like beating Tampa beating uh Columbus whoever um, you know, whoever, whoever's in their path, it ha- like Tuka Rask is, you know, like Brad Marchand, Bergeron, uh, Pasternak, they could be, you know, they could be like scoring all their times, but it's going to mean nothing if uh, Tuka Rask lets in all these different goals and he's not ready. So, um, so as a Bruins fan, I am the mo- I'm going to be looking more towards how Tuka Rask is and when he gives up a goal. Um, like, is it is it going to be like, is it necessarily his fault or not? Um, because I feel like he can, as much as he can take over a game, he can also take away from a game and and be the reason why the Bruins lost. So. Um, so I'll be interested to see that because this is where the pressure matters and I, I am going to be curious um, uh, how he goes. But yeah, no, Jake DeBrus was going to be my pick if we were just going with purely skaters and all that stuff. Um, so who's your pick for Toronto? Oh, funny you should ask because it's the goalie at the other end of the ice. Ah, okay. uh, that would be Frederick Anderson of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so taking a look at uh, the Bruins uh, goalies while we're at it, uh, since January 1st, Rask is 18-5-3 with a GAA near 2.3, save percentage near 9.15 over 26 appearances. And Halak has gone 10-5-2 in 18 games with a 2.41 goals against and a 9.15 save percentage. Um, outside of Anderson, the Leafs are in a very rough place. Uh, when Freddie's in net since January 1st, 9-12 save percentage, GAA close to three, record of 16-7-5. And, and even with 29 games started and 15 games off since the turn of the new year, he's faced close to 1,000 shots. Wow. And again, he's only played in 29 games, gotten 15 off. Um, I think I mentioned in a previous episode that he underwent uh, some Navy SEAL training uh, to learn how candidates uh, survive one of the U.S. military's toughest tests. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects his mental game um, because when you're going up against a tough team and a tough goaltender at the other end, it usually becomes a mental game at that point. Yeah. And it's usually who blinks first. And uh, there was 
uh, you were talking about Tuka Rask um, having the ability to steal a game and and give the and give a and give a win away. Um, there was, um, I believe, it was four three for Tampa Bay um, in the Bruins final game, and they had just scored uh, to to make it a close game. And then Tampa comes down the other way. I believe it was Coburn that takes a shot, and it just beats Rask clean. Those are the type of goals, as you mentioned, that could determine a game in the playoffs. And the Leafs need those big-time saves from Frederick Anderson, and they're going to need a lot of them because, as you mentioned, the Bruins have a lot of depth, um, like the Toronto Maple Leafs do. They have that physical element to their game, which it seemed that Toronto didn't really have much of a response to. Um, So there's going to be a lot of pressure on Frederick Anderson. There's probably going to be a lot of traffic in his crease. And um, he says one of the big things that he took away from that Navy SEAL training was probably controlling what I can control. That's what he said. So um, we'll we'll see how in control that Frederick Anderson is. In his first 53 contests, um, he had four-plus goals find the back of the net 11 times. Uh, That happened to Garrett Sparks seven times in his first 16 appearances. And by, by the way, it should be noted that uh, Garrett Sparks has been taken uh, or given rather a 10-day sabbatical and Michael Hutchinson will be backing up Freddie Anderson to start the series so if Frederick Anderson is off his game and the Bruins chase him from the net it could be an awfully rough ride for the Toronto Maple Leafs so he's got to be miles better than Tuka Rask much like Bobrovsky uh, in the, the series against Tampa Bay Columbus has to be all world and it starts with Bobrovsky uh, if Toronto has to get by Boston, Frederick Anderson has to be all-world for them. Yep. I guess that's, like, a good rule for every team is, like, the goalie has to be on their game, um, you know. Uh, especially yeah. in this series where there's not yeah, much separating them, where True. they're pretty much even everywhere else. Yeah. Goaltending is even more crucial. Of course. Yeah, no, I know. Um, no, yeah, I was, I was about to say, I feel like both the Bruins and the Maple Leafs are very even they've all they both have like about um you know their top line guys are high class um are about even you know their depth guys are about even um defense I guess I would give the edge more to the Bruins there but um you know Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner aren't bad guy aren't bad players here um, and then the goaltendings are, you know, they're very, Tuka and Frederick Anderson are very similar goaltenders. Um, they're kind of like streaky, but like when they're on, they're on. When they're not on, they're not on. Um, so I could see this series going either way, honestly. Um, I know the, the Maple Leafs have struggled lately in their schedule, but, you know, the playoffs a different ball game. You know, every, every team has a record of 0-0. Zero and zero. Um, and all that stuff. So, um, I, having said all that, I, I just can't like bring myself to say the Leafs are going to win this series. Um, but I, I do, I am going to give, uh, I do think the Leafs are going to battle hard for this. So I think it's going to be like very much like the rematch uh, from last year, where I think the Bruins are going to win in seven. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's going to be tough, uh, a bit tougher for the Bruins because I don't know if you heard, uh, apparently um, Kevin Miller has experienced additional swelling. He's dealing with a lower body injury, so he's not going to be ready in time for the start of the playoffs. And stop me if you heard this before with Brandon Carlo for the past couple of seasons, the Bruins lose a defenseman before the playoffs start. Yep. So um, that trend unfortunately continues, and I think it's going to affect them to an extent. But I think the fatigue factor is going to catch up with Toronto first. Ergo, Bruins in seven games. I, yeah. I think it's going to be a tight seven-game series, but I, I just can't see um, Toronto overcoming the physical presence uh, that uh, the Bruins provide. You know, Chera is still Chera. He's still six foot nine. He can still intimidate you. Um, they they have a lot of talent, and then of course they have that Achilles heel and Patrice Bergeron to deal with. Uh, Patrice Bergeron just in those big moments. He's had Toronto's number, and um, I, I, I definitely think the emergence of Jake DeBrusque uh, hurts the Leafs even more. So, um, yeah, I'm going with the Bruins here. I, you had me worried for a second because you said Brandon Carlo, and I said, oh, God, is he injured again for the no, playoffs? No, no, that no, would be perfect. No. So then I, I had to look it up, and it's like, oh, okay, it's only Kevin Miller. Yeah. I mean, that still yeah. stinks, obviously, but I was just like, oh, oh God, yeah. is Carlo also injured? Um, but yeah, the uh, a, I, a, a, big, a big physical <laughs> defenseman that makes it tougher on the opponents will not be available for the yeah. But this one, yeah, not Brendan Carlo though. Um, this one is not Brendan Carlo; it's Kevin Miller. This right, time. right. But um, yeah, the um, yeah, no, uh, I think it it should be interesting too because I feel like you know Marshawn, Pasternak, and Bergeron are you know obviously the Bruins' top line guys, but like. Compared to Tavares, Matthews, and Marner, it's it's they're about even. So it's kind of uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Where like if one of those players slips up, um, it could be the uh, the difference makers. Or if one goes, if one of those players goes off, it could be the difference maker. Um, it's it's odd it's odd how like the Leafs go out there and they get John Tavares in free agency and yeah. immediately everyone I'm sure myself included I'm sure uh, I'm sure you were thinking the same way it's just like wow the Leafs have just gone right. next level and then you look at their play for the past month and you're just like oh, I think the Bruins are gonna beat them I know <laughs> and they got John Tavares on their side they're still gonna beat their yeah we still both think they're gonna even when they I, I I definitely. I definitely see a way that the Leafs can win. I de- I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Yeah. I, I just I just think Bruins have that edge, and until I see it otherwise, Bruins are going to win. Yeah, I feel like there there's definitely is a possibility. Um, I do like you know because I have the luxury of watching the Bruins every game. You know, most of the games, um, and you know, um, whenever the Bruins play the Maple Leafs, it does seem like. The Bruins have been able to take advantage of the Toronto's defensive lapses um, during the games, but you know it's it's one of the, it kind of reminds me back to uh, the Capitals and Penguins whenever they would play in the playoffs um, against each other because the Capitals would never be able to beat the Penguins, and then when they finally do beat the Penguins, then it's like the Capitals are like, all right, we're going to win. So I feel like this could happen with the Maple Leafs. Where like they can't beat the Bruins for so long, and then when they finally do, then all hell is about to break loose, and they're you know hell's about to freeze over if they if they somehow win the cup, you know. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not taking that out 
of possibilities. I don't want to get too. It's a, it's more of a superstition on my part. I I I don't want to make it right in the Bruins are winning this going into the second round right now. Um, all right, let's go to the Metropolitan. We're going to do our final four at the end of this uh, episode, so stay tuned for that. Um, Let's go to the Capitals and Hurricanes. (coughs) Excuse me, I have a bit of a cough. Um, The uh, Capitals uh, won the Metropolitan Division, and then they have, um, because they don't... um, Because the Lightning are in their division... They have the luxury of playing um, uh, their fourth best team in the uh, Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they have 99 points. Um, Car- Carolina Hurricanes are kind of an interesting team here because they, um, you know, they they uh, they kind of were struggling towards the beginning of the year. Then all of a sudden, they have these like post game celebrations post-home game celebrations where they just do something wacky and then they get all their fans a buzz and um and all that stuff although they're about to stop that um they they already did stop doing those celebrations and stuff but like it really the the season their season really turned around when they traded uh victor ask for nino nitterrider i mean it seems like nino nitterrider has like fit just right in um, with uh, Tavo Teravainen and uh, Sebastian Ajo. Um, and to the point where I feel like Carolina um, might have an outside shot here at the uh, at like defeating the Washington Capitals here. Um, the only thing I would be nervous about if I'm Carolina is like um is I'm not sure if Peter Morazic is going to be a good goaltender. And if it's not Peter Morazic, I'm not sure about Curtis McElhinney. Um, So their goaltending is giving me issues. But at the same time, they finished very strong um, towards the end of the season. And they're one of those like sleeper teams where I feel like people are kind of being like, watch out for Carolina because they could, they could make some noise here. Um, on the other hand, you have the Washington Capitals. Um, you know, they're the defending Stanley Cup champion. They're still legit. But I feel like this time they've kind of like this season, they kind of just taken a break all season. Um, they've just kind of rested up. And it's not that I really blame them or anything, but uh, there's that. Um, let's do players to watch. Um, I guess I, I forgot that I went twice. <laughs> the last two times. So I went first the la- uh, last two times. So let's go to you. You have Carolina as your players to watch. Yeah. Um, you talk about Peter Morasic. He's my pick. Uh, okay. Finished the year 23, uh, 23-14-3 with a 2.39 goals against and a 9-14 save percentage on top of four shutouts. Um, once uh, we got to 2019, that's when he experienced most of his success. He went 17-6-1 in 24 starts since January 1st with a 2.25 goals against and a 9.22 save percentage on top of three shutouts. So three of his four shutouts have come uh, in the new year. Um, and he really started to develop that swagger down the stretch. 
that he had during his early days with the Detroit Red Wings. He's really seized that opportunity. The Canes have benefited as a result. I think the trick for Rod Brendamore is to figure out who gets the bulk of the workload in the playoffs because uh, McElhaney has been Mr. Consistent for the majority of the season. When when he first got there, he, he started to play pretty good hockey. Uh, before Morazic got hockey, he was the one giving the Hurricanes a fighting chance. But since Morazic has taken off, McElhaney's GAA has been two inches, just over 900. So I think Brindamore's uh, going to go with the hot hand. He's been inclined to do so. And uh, if the Canes upset Washington, like we said for Columbus, like we said for Toronto, it, their goaltending has got to be there. And, um, you know, you can get points from Taravainen, from Niederreiter, from whoever, from Sebastian Ajo. But um, if the pucks are going in, they can't outslug the Washington Capitals. So uh, the goaltending needs to be strong. Yeah, I think that that's the key here. I mean, goaltending is has to be strong for every team here. Um, so it's just that Morazic is definitely capable of doing it. And and there was one year against Tampa Bay where Detroit almost beat Tampa Bay in seven in seven games. Right. And Morazic was a big reason why. So if he can play at that level, um, I, I definitely think the Hurricanes can steal a few for Washington. Yeah, for sure. Um, my team, my player to watch for the Washington Capitals, um, obviously you're going to watch Alex Ovechkin, um, with his 51 goals, but I'm going to go with Tom Wilson here. Um, he kind of like became a household name last, last playoffs, um, more for his, uh, questionable hits, um, on Zach Aston Reese and Brian Dumoulin than than his, but he can also score goals, um, which is also uh, amazing. He's kind of like a a mini Brad Marchand, even though he's bigger than Brad Marchand. Um, but uh, so he he's able to like get un, under opponent's skin uh, for his uh, dirty hits. Um, he's probably the most hated man in America. Um, <laughs> most hated man in hockey, I should say. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, um, but he still had like 40 points in 63 games this year. Um, so I am, I, I, I mostly put him on here for all the wrong reasons. Uh, just cause I, I hope that he like, you know, I hope that he doesn't like, make any like big hits that are going to get him suspended but um it's definitely like a part of his you know there's always that risk when you're when you're watching tom wilson um and i i kind of want to see um how the capitals respond to it and i remember you know back when he had that 20 games uh uh, suspension to start the year guys like uh tj oshie um, a lot of guys, um, I think TJ Oshie most, most notably, um, would like just speak up and saying like how Tom Wilson shouldn't have been suspended 20 games for, for that hit on Oscar Sundquist in the preseason. And then, um, and you know, and then all of a sudden the Capitals start playing terribly, uh, throughout and then they, uh, Tom Wilson appeals, 
um, and he gets his suspension re reduced. And then once he starts playing, the Capitals are like back to being a t the team that we expected them to be. So it's like Tom Wilson is the the guy that stirs their drink, even though, um, you know, <laughs> there are definitely times where you're like, oh god. Um, this is a bad example for what hockey should be. And yeah. so, so it's, it's very conflicting, um, for Tom Wilson, but he's the epitome of the guy that you want to, you want to have on your team, but you, you hate him when he's not on your team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hate to play against him. exactly. I, I think, so, that, I think that kind of has a, a psychological edge yeah. on the other team where it's just like, okay. You gotta have that third eye in the back of your head wide open because he's gonna—he might be coming for you. Yeah. Whereas you know, if Tom Wilson's not playing, he's not a threat, and you're just like, okay, we can do what we want now. Sweet. Yep. Um, as for our predictions, I kind of already said my spiel beforehand. Um, I still feel like Washington it has the experience, and they have. They know how to win now, so it's hard for me to say that the Carolina can pull this off. I wouldn't be surprised, though, um, if they do. But I'm going to say that the Capitals are going to win in seven games. Interesting. Uh, I, I also realized that this is the first time that uh, even though um, these two are division rivals. This is actually the first playoff matchup between the two sides, much like Tampa Bay Columbus. Oh, and uh, we, we have a couple in the West as well. Um, I, I think there's a bit of animosity already, but I think when it comes to other teams like Pittsburgh and Philly, I think Washington dislikes them more just because um, the Capitals have gone through a couple of playoff series with them. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see uh, – how the animosity fares uh, as the series rolls Also, uh, Justin Williams uh, used to be on the Washington Capitals, and now he's on the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, which is interesting because yeah. I was just going to bring up that the Caps are a good first-period team, one of the best in the NHL during the middle frame. Um, but Carolina also has Justin Williams, who has played alongside a lot of these guys, probably knows a bit of their tendencies, knows how to maybe shut them down a little bit um and and carolina is pretty good um when down a man or two they can uh they can uh, put up some quality success even then though do you really want to test ovechkin's shot and washington's attack like th there are certain things you can do to try and contain the capitals but you can't shut down Ovechkin and his patented shot. If you give that shot a chance to find its way in the net, nine times out of ten, it does find the back of the net. Uh, so discipline's going to have to be key for Carolina in this one, regardless of how good their penalty kill is. And in order to play their game, they need to start off strong and not fall behind. Um, I, I definitely think they have a lot of qualities that could cause a lot of problems uh, for their Metro opponent. Um, the shots for and against ratio has been pretty solid. It's been very solid for most of the season. Um, they're a pretty physical team. They force takeaways very well. Um, I don't think there's any way Carolina gets swept in the series unless all the games are decided by a goal. That Maybe I could see that. Um, but I think the Hurricanes at least win two games. I don't see them winning this series, so I'm taking the Capitals in six. Okay. Interesting. So... Yeah, you take Caps in seven, I take Caps in six. But we both agree that um, yeah. it's going to be a lot closer than what many people say. It's just like, oh, you know, 
Carolina, you know, yeah. congrats, but you're going to be out in a hurry. I, yeah. I think you're going to give Washington a pretty good test. Yeah, I feel like of all the one seeds um, to be overthrown, I feel like the Hurricanes have the best shot. Um, mm. Or of all the wild cards teams, I should say, I feel like the Hurricanes have the best shot to to take over or to upset um, here. Um, let's go with the Islanders and Penguins series. This is kind of surprising because I, I for some reason, I thought the Penguins were the second seed, but they're not. The Islanders are the are the are the team here, um, and I guess it all has to. Do, do with uh, Robin Leonard um, and uh, Thomas Grice, who have kind of uh, who have combined to uh, be very good. They both have around a two point fifteen GAA. Um, Robin Leonard has a two point thirteen. Uh, Thomas Grice has two point two eight a GAA, and their save percentage is like both around nine thirty, um, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. with numbers like that, it's it's no surprise they won the William James Trophy exactly. for the best goalie tandem in the league. So yep. um, yeah, yeah, that, that just goes to show you how good they were this year. Exactly, and the the weird, the crazy thing, I mean, the interesting thing about this, I, I guess I might be spoiling your your player to watch, but um, the interesting thing about the playoffs is is like it's more beneficial if you have. If you just roll with one goalie throughout, but it does probably it is nice that if if like let's say Leonard is not feeling it for one game, then you can just roll in uh, Thomas Grice and you have about an equal shot of uh, of winning the game. So, anyways, the Islanders uh, have one hundred three points. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins have a hundred points. Um, the Penguins aren't any slouches either. Uh, Crosby is phenomenal. He has a hundred points um, in seventy-nine games, um, so he only missed about two games, but he still he still reached the hundred game point mark. Um, and Matt Murray is also a question mark here, but two. But um, I'm gonna take it to you. You have a player to watch for the New York Islanders. Yeah, it's not Robin Leonard actually. I uh, went with Ryan Pulock this okay. time. Uh, arguably their best when it comes to patrolling the blue line and putting up stats, at least for this year. Uh, 10 goals and 32 points in 68 games last year, uh, along with five power play goals and 11 power play points. Also took 184 shots on goal. So that was last year. Uh, this year managed four fewer shots during a full 82-game slate. Um, and he posted nine goals, three on the power play, and 37 points, nine on the power play. Uh, quietly been their top defenseman, only taken 22 penalty minutes this year, also brings forth a, a 149 hits and 116 block shots, leads them in time on ice with an average of 22 minutes, 22 seconds. For a 24-year-old, he certainly brings a lot to the table, and he's going to be key for the Islanders if they want to beat Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's... A, that's... Um, yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah, kind of, kind of threw you off guard with my pick there. Just, yeah, a little uh, bit. I actually had forgotten about Ryan Pulak. No, I, I was just thinking because I I'm I'm in the middle of a fantasy hockey playoff pool thing. It's like oh, a I slow know. draft of sorts. And I I need another defenseman, and I completely forgot about Ryan Pulak, and I realized yeah. 
he hasn't been picked yet, and it's almost my ah. turn. So, so I, I yeah, nice. I know it's either him or I'm surprised Patrick Laine has not been picked yet. So it's either him or my love for Patrick Laine. So I, I have yeah. to, I have the guy hasn't picked yet. So the guy ahead of me hasn't picked yet. So um, there's that, but no, <laughs> that is a good pick here. Um, Penguins here. I have, uh, I have a defenseman here too. Uh, Chris Letang. Um, he, uh, you know, he's one of the, I, I guess, you know, whenever it seems like, I mean, it is pretty annual because he, he never has a plays a full season, but I kind of, uh, like, and obviously he plays with, like with Crosby, Malkin and Kessel and Gensel. Now they're all very good players on the forward side, but not enough is talked about Chris Letang. Um, when healthy, you know, he, he's one of the best offensive defensemen out there. Um, he, uh, he has 56 points in 65 games. Uh, he, he ended this season. So that's roughly a point per game, which is obviously very good for, um, for a defenseman um, in this league. And, you know, he's, he's not great on the defensive side of things, but he's also like, you know, he's also pretty defense, defensively responsible as well. Um, he handles their power play um, at ease, um, and he's you know he's one of the more I he I feel like I overuse the term underrated, but um, he is pretty underrated compared like when you think of the Penguins, you think of Crosby and Malkin and Kessel, which you should, but like you know Chris Letang is like very much a big part of why how the Penguins have been successful. For a long time, um, and you know the interesting thing is, is like a couple of years ago when the Penguins did make those cup runs. Like there was one year where Chris Letang wasn't even on there, um, you know, because he was injured throughout the whole playoffs, and the Penguins still won. But like you know, that just shows how like how much depth the Penguins had in general that year. Um, and I feel like that was more of an anomaly because Chris Letang is like, you know, by far the Penguins best defenseman. Um, I guess the second, like the, the second best is like Brian Dumoulin, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, when your defense has issues, uh, when your second best defenseman is Brian Dumoulin. So, um, so having said that, I guess Justin Schultz as well, maybe. Um, but but yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, I I, uh, I just wanted to shout out Chris Letang because he's he's a good player. Yeah, and and definitely if he gets hurt, then uh, you, you really start to get worried about that Pittsburgh. Exactly. Sure. But like at the same time, it's like I I harken back to their last cup run, um, when they won the cup uh, two years ago. Like they didn't have Chris Letang for a majority of the playoffs. And they yeah, still were true. able, you know, they were still able to do it. But I feel like this year it's a different team. Um, but I feel like a lot of it, a lot of their the Penguins' play and their, you know, their success is going to rely heavily on if Chris Letang can be Chris Letang. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I have Chris Letang here. Um, all right, let's go to oh right our predictions here. Um, so it's interesting too because I've been seeing. I feel like 
at this point, the Penguins are kind of like, aren't even the underdog, even though technically they're the three seed, um, which I find interesting. Um, but, uh, so, but I still think, you know, I am kind of, you haven't really talked about Matt Murray at all in this episode. Um, he did struggle at the beginning, but it seemed like he's gotten things worked well together lately, um, towards the end of the season. Um, and you know, it's hard to like, I mean, and Rob, I, I will be interested to see like if, Robin Leonard can stop um, the likes of Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, and Gensel, um, that four-headed monster of a team. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the Penguins, I, again, like the Capitals, I feel like the Penguins win out just because of their, um, their, exper- their playoff experience. So I have the Penguins in six. Um, however, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if this miracle run of the Islanders uh, continues because, like, um, you know, <laughs> we doubt the Islanders. We didn't even expect the Islanders to make the playoffs, let alone yeah. get the two seed in the Metro Division. So um, anything can happen in in this series. Yeah. When, when it comes to predicting a winner here, this is honestly probably the toughest one. Yeah. Um, I see it going seven games no matter who wins. Okay. Uh, you can make a solid case for either team advancing to round two. Um, from the Islanders' perspective, special teams is a question mark. The power play keeps drawing blanks. Their penalty kill isn't a top ten label. Struggle with giveaways. Not making up for it in the takeaway part of the stat box. Um, based on that, you would think advantage Pittsburgh, right? But the Pens are known for generating a lot of shots, yet they give up as much as they generate. And in fact, they've been outshot in half of the games they played this year. Um, and it's it's also interesting to note that um, Matt Martin, Kyle Clutterbuck, and Leo Komarov, all three of those guys have 200-plus hits each on the year. So um, for Johnson and Gabranson on the back end to try and match that, I don't know if, if they, they can, so... Um, may, maybe you give the slight advantage to the Islanders from the physical aspect. And when it, when it comes to neutralizing uh, Pittsburgh's attack, maybe the heavy hitting is, is what gets it. So um, I, I, I kind of I looked at uh, the goals for and against by period uh, to kind of see if I could find an edge there. And what I found is that the Isles don't give up much in the first they're one of the lowest scoring second period teams in the NHL, whereas Pittsburgh is a very good first period team, top scoring team in the second period. But if the Islanders are still in it in the third period where the Penguins offense goes down significantly, that's where the Islanders can strike. Um, but just based on how Pittsburgh operates offensively, I say Pence and seven, but I'm not ruling out an Islanders win in the series at all. Islanders in seven. Okay, I'm writing. I, I, I'm writing. I, I go. I. I'd say. I'd say. I, I'd say Penguins in seven. Wouldn't be surprised if it's Islanders in seven, but Pens in seven is my pick. Oh yeah, Pens in seven. Pens I'm writing. Seven, yeah. I'm writing down um, our picks here. So okay, this is going <laughs> to be interesting here. Um, 
I figured because I'm I already have mine down here. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. what, what, uh, what did you take again? Did you say pens as well? I said pens and six though. Yeah. Pens and six. Okay. Um. Although I forgot, did you you said Bruins and seven as well, right? I said Bruins and seven. Yes. Okay. Um. All right. Let's go to the Western Conference here. Um. By the way, so far we we picked all all four of our teams we've we've we haven't disagreed yet. Um, yeah, we we've disagreed by like a game or two. Yeah. And a few, but we we are both. But we're we have the with, same with four the teams. teams. Yeah, we yeah. have the same four teams. Um, let's go to the Western Conference here. The Preds and the Dallas Stars here. Um, yeah, this is gonna be interesting one. The Predators, oh, by the way, so to uh, uh, to end what we talked about last week, uh, the Predators ended up winning the uh, Central Division um, just by one point. Uh, they have 100 points, um, and then they play the Dallas Stars, um, who have 93 points. <laughs> it's funny, I'm tempted to go with, like, in 82 games, it's like, yeah, they, they both played in 82 games. Every yeah, team has played. Yeah, this is, by the way, uh, another one of those series where they have not faced each other in the playoffs before. Interesting. So this will be a first. Yeah, I, you would think that they would have. Um, yeah, cause they're, 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 they're both, division rivals, so like and you said, there's, there's got to be some form of advantage. And there's usually, teams that, there are usually teams that are usually in the playoffs as well. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, the... Um, Although I guess it makes sense just because this has been a like you know this this new playoff format has just uh, been a thing so and Dallas has kind of like missed the playoffs every now and then um, as well um, yeah no this this should be interesting here um, the the pre I was kind of surprised because I thought the Winnipeg Jets would actually get the central division spot, but um, but I guess they uh, they did not do that because they did not win enough games. Um, they they lost by a point there. But um, let's talk about the Nashville Predators. They um, they're um, an interesting team here. They have of course you know they have. Um, Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Johansson, and of course you have they have phenomenal defensemen in Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, Ryan Ellis, and of course PK Subban. Um, and then you have Dallas, um, where you know <laughs> it it seems like Jim Light's um, comments kind of sparked the team um, to the point where Tyler Sagan. Um, had 80 points in 82 games. Jamie Benn has had a bad year, though. Um, he didn't really take up on the motivation. He has uh, he had uh, 53 points in in 78 games, but then yeah, you also for a guy that makes like eight or nine million a year, yeah. that's not what a guy usually does at that salary. Yeah, and then of course, but you also have Alexander Radulov, who kind of took over. Uh, from Jamie Benn's um, role in a way, um, and he had 72 points in 70 games. Um, but the bigger highlight is Ben Bishop, who had a 198 GAA, a save percentage of 934, 
feel like he should win the uh, the Vezina, but I don't know if that's actually going to happen, um, considering he's only played forty six games. But he would have been he would be my pick for Vezina. Um, but uh, yeah, the um, all right, let's go to the players to watch. Um, all right, I guess I'll go first now because uh, I went second the last two times. Um, yeah. So I have Nashville here. My player to watch is uh, P.K. Subban. Um, more because he's had... Uh, we haven't really talked about this at all, but he has not had a good season at all for his uh, standards. Um, you know, in the past, like... Uh, let me see here. Not including this season, but in the past uh, five seasons before that, he's had more than 50 points. Um, and this year, he had 31 points. Um, yeah. And, and, and there were, yeah. were like three uh, the Predators defensemen that had 40-plus points. Yeah. There was Yossi, there was Ekholm, and there was Ellis. And yeah. Subban didn't get 40. Yeah, and, and, you know, not to take away from Ekholm and not to take away from Ellis, and, of course, Roman Yossi is, is amazing. But, like, you know, P.K. Subban, you know, it, it's it's kind of crazy to me that there's something going on with P.K. Subban. I'm not necessarily sure why. Like, maybe he's just, you know, he's just regressing or... Um, well, he, he's not even he that old him. though either. Um, he did miss some you know. time due to injury last year, if you remember. He was that's out true. Uh, uh, like four, six, maybe eight weeks. Yeah, that's true. Which cost him a bit of time, but yeah. he, even after he came back, like he he wasn't really he wasn't really turning heads. I didn't really um, notice him that much on the score sheet. Yeah, so I I he has he's kind of slipped there. So I, I, I'm putting him on the player to watch because I feel like now that it is the playoff time and, it, and P.K. Subban is such like a polarizing player that everyone's going to be watching to see if he can actually come back um, from this slump, even um, with everything. Um, but you might be right, there is that injury, so maybe he's still like a little bit injured. Um I had a hot take that maybe it's because like he's too focused on the like what he's gonna do after um, <laughs> uh, the NHL. Like I, you know, I always see him on like um, like he's hanging around with Lindsey Vaughn and um, his girlfriend, and his also you know he's also like it seems like he has like a show going on and he has other things going on. So I'm not necessarily sure if hockey is a big focus for him now, um, as it used to be. So it's, I don't know, it's, uh, I, I would love to see him play well, because I feel like, you know, he's one of the best characters in the current NHL. So I would like to see him doing well, though, having said that. But um, yeah, he hasn't had a great season this year. Yeah, not, not like you said, not to his standards. Like you said, like a guy making eight to nine million a year, not even yeah. a forty point season. That's that's a bit kind of low there. Although so. I'm looking here, so he had thirty one points in sixty three games. So that's about, I guess that's about forty points. Um, if he played eighty two games, yeah, so that's not great. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, even even then, like he's had better years than that. Yeah, it's not terrible for a defenseman, but for PK Stuban standards, that's not great. Yeah. Yeah, Well, the good news about the playoffs, like you said, it's a different year. Uh, Dallas Stars player to watch uh, for me is Rupe Heinz. Uh, His stats. might not look too sexy to start off with. Uh, in 58 games this year, 11 with just 9 goals and 22 points. 99 shots on goal on top of that, which isn't too bad. Um, here's where I make the argument that this kid may have a big series against the Preds. His 99 shots placed him 11th on the team. He averaged 14 minutes, 3 seconds time on ice per game. Uh, 6 of his 22 points and 3 of his 9 goals came on the power play. And when there are a couple of injuries to top six players, he got some opportunities to show what he could do. Um, three turned out to be game winners. One of them was in three-on-three overtime. Uh, down the stretch especially, he was good. 11 points in 18 games from March 1st, April 6th, along with four of his nine goals on the year, four of his six power play points, two game winners, uh, and during those 18 games, he averaged 16 minutes and 35 seconds per game. So uh, I think he's on a bit of a roll. And if he gets some top six minutes, if he gets put into certain circumstances where he can flourish, uh, I think he's going to turn some heads against Nashville. But uh, we'll see. All right. Interesting. Um, okay, let's go to who our predictions here. Um, you can go first here. Well, uh, the power play could be a weapon for Dallas, as I said before. They're in their central division rivals with Nashville. Um, Sagan's only played in seven playoff games since the trade out of Boston. Played 42 playoff games for the Bruins. He's eager to advance. Jamie Benn is eager as well. John Klingberg, not used to playoff hockey, so I'm pretty sure he's jacked up. Even Ben Bishop who's had plenty of uh, playoff success with Tampa Bay, hasn't been to the playoffs in a while. He's had a great year. He's motivated too. All that experience, unfortunately, is going to work against Dallas here because Nashville is one of those teams that has a lot of playoff experience uh, from the past couple of years. Um, They've been used to going deep into the playoffs. Last year, they were one game away from going back to the conference finals. And uh, the Preds, um, I think after that loss to Winnipeg, have some unfinished business to take care of, like Tampa Bay uh, when they lost to Washington in Game 7 of the Eastern Finals. Um, it was not how Nashville wanted their season to end. They wanted everyone to stay on board. They wanted another shot at this, so they have a lot to prove. Um, they are very prone in the second frame, however, when which is a period of hockey where Dallas plays their best. Uh, so in order for Dallas to win this game, their starts have to be solid, which is unfortunate because in the first period, they've been the lowest scoring team in the league. So um, if I do the math, Nashville and six. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I have uh, Nash. See, the thing with the Stars, I do think that Ben Bishop could like, you know, could win a couple of games. And, you know, Tyler Sagan is Tyler Sagan, of course. Um, but I don't know if they have, you know, and, you know, Miro Heiskanen and, um, and what's his face, uh, John Klingberg. 
they're a good defenseman, of course, but I feel like Nashville um, might uh, has has the upper hand here in both like the forward depth and the defensive depth, um, and even the goaltending goal in some sorts. So um, it will it I will be like if Nash if Dallas were to win, Pecorine and or UC Saros have to be like terrible. Um, but I don't see that happening, I don't think. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm also going to say the Preds in six. We've, we've been both on practically the same wavelength here. I know, so I know. It's weird. I, I'm just I'm just waiting to disagree on something. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that seems to be our, uh, that's how we roll, I guess. Um, uh, all right, let's go to the Jets and the Blues. They both... Um, Ended the season with 99 points, um, and they both are playing each other this year. Um, the Blues, um, they kind of had a interesting year um, where they struggled out of the gate uh, to start things off, and then um, in comes this guy named Jordan Binnington, or as we like to refer on this show, Jordan, Win- Jordan Winnington here um and then on um you know and then all of a sudden the uh the blues start winning um because they have of course when you have jordan winnington on your team they start to win um and vladimir tarasenko ryan o'reilly um those they kind of become the players that uh we thought they were going to be um and then on the uh, as for the Winnipeg Jets, it's kind of like the opposite situation for them, because they started out really strong, uh, despite Connor Hellebuck and Patrick Laine um, not being there, um, you know, not being good um, for periods of time. Although they were, you know, they've been consistent and inconsistent for for throughout the entire season. But still, even even with all that, you have Blake Wheeler, who has 91 points, Mark Scheifele, who has 84 points, um, and Kyle Connor, who's kind of uh, came into his own this year. I mean, he was good last year, but he's, he's really good this year uh, with 66 points. So it's like kind of a, a good mix of players here uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, damn it, I forgot... Did I go first the last time? Oh, yeah, I did go first the last time for players to watch. Uh, so you go first this time. You have the Winnipeg Jets here. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Jacob Truba here uh, because when we were talking the previous offseason and the offseason before that, one of the things that I questioned about Jacob Truba is whether or not he was worth over $5 million per year when he didn't even post more than 40 points in a single season. Well, yep. uh, this year he finished with 50. Uh, and it was also in a year where Morrissey and Buffalo missed significant time due to injury. Uh, his previous high in power play points was six. He posted 18 this year, so he tripled that. Um, 162 shots on goal, career high for him. Uh, also puts him fifth on Winnipeg's roster in shots on goal. Uh, averaged just under 23 minutes of ice time per game, second behind only Buffalo, who appeared in 40 fewer games than Truba did. Uh, in the final four to five weeks, Jacob Truba's game was taking off uh, as he registered a point in all but six of his last 19 and going pointless in back-to-back games 
just once from March 1st onward. Um, he plays third in Jets scoring with four goals and 16 points over his final 19 games. And eight of his 18 power play points came during that wild stretch of hockey as well. He's heading into the postseason on a good note, and he's got to play at that level if the Jets want to go deep. Yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. Um, yeah, I didn't even mention that. I didn't even realize that he had he's having he had a pretty good year this year. Neither um, did I until I yeah. checked his stats. To be honest, I know, I know, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, I so for the the Blues, um, I was thinking of going with a skater here, but um, instead I was going. I'm going to go with uh, Jordan Bennington, um, mostly just because you know he's. He's kind of been, like, we haven't, I mean, we did talk about him. We spent a couple of episodes on him, spotlighting him. But, you know, he's he's still, like, a rookie in this league. Um, and he's kind of taken over as the, the starter for the Blues. Um, you know, it used to be Jake Allen's spot, but now it's Jordan Bennington's. And so this is going to be his first playoff round. And he's going to have... Um, He's gonna have a tough, uh, tough first uh, first round opponent in the Winnipeg Jets with Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, and not to mention Patrick Laine, um, so um, and Kyle Connor, of course. So it's it's gonna be um, interesting to see how he does. Um, of course, you know his his stats are incredible: one point eight nine GAA. His save percentage is a nine twenty seven. I would have him as uh, the the um, as the uh, the Calder winner, but I I can understand why people want Elias Pettersson instead. But that's a that's a debate for another time here. Um, but I I will be curious to see. You know, it's one thing to do really well in the regular season, but I am curious to see if he can uh, take over in the playoffs because it's a different animal so um so yeah i'll be i'll be curious to see how he does hmm. interesting yeah I, I i thought uh bennington was probably a pretty good name uh there there are also some uh bottom six guys on st louis that i'm intrigued by uh ivan barbashev is oh, yeah. one, That's a good one that i'm interested to see in the playoffs too yeah so we'll i think i think you you picked like you you picked the actual like x factor guys like the guys on the bottom <laughs> six whereas i picked yeah, like yeah, guys you, you, you were worried i wasn't gonna follow that guy yeah i know <laughs> and i i, I ended thought, up at, at times i thought uh, i wasn't even sure so yeah and i ended up taking like the middle the mainstream guys more often than you have so yeah, far at least mainstream guys that aren't having yes um I mean, for the Blues, I feel like Vladimir Tarasenko was their best player, so or Ryan O'Reilly. So I felt yeah. like I, I couldn't choose those guys. Um, Flames Avalanche are. Wait, it, it, we didn't do a prediction oh, for. Oh, of course, of course, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> good, good catch there. Just like, yeah. just like both of them win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this is this is actually it's a good point because. Like, I feel like this is, like, the most even matchup of the eight matchups we have here. Like, well, yeah, I, I think maybe Pittsburgh and, and the Islanders are yeah. the toughest to call. But you're right, as far as even, even other than Tampa, 
Bay, or sorry, other than Toronto and Boston, yeah, this is right up there too. Yeah, like I feel like it's going to go seven either way. Um, and then the seventh game could be like a your call kind of thing. Because they've been kind yeah. of battling since like January almost. Um, so, um, and you know, the interesting thing about the Jets and the Blues is that like the Jets were... You know, they started the season off strong, and then now they, you know, in the last game, they just went, you know, they lost the last couple of games, and now they're the second seed in their division. And then the Blues weren't even in the playoff picture in November, and now they, you know, they worked their way up, and now they're the third seed in this uh, tough division. Um, so I'm... But I still feel like the Jets are the better team. I feel like their forward depth is a lot better. Their defensive depth is, um, you know, we didn't even mention, like you mentioned Jacob Truba, but there's also Dustin Bufflin. There's also, um, you know, uh, Tyler Myers um, as well. So I feel like Winnipeg has the upper hand. Um I am curious to see if Connor Hellebuck can be consistent for 16-ish games, but um, I think the Jets have the upper hand here, so I'm going to go with the Winnipeg Jets in seven. Yeah, the way the St. Louis has been able to manufacture shots um, against Winnipeg and how little the Jets have been able to avoid shots against. Uh, they've given up the most shots out of all playoff teams in the mix right now. Uh, that concerns me if I'm a fan of Winnipeg. Uh, the Blues, uh, like you said, from January 1st onward, uh, not have only been one of the best teams. They've been the best team, better than Tampa even, uh, from January 1st onward. So it's no secret the Blues are doing well, especially with Bennington at the helm. They have 30 wins in 2019 that's how good they are. And the Jets have been average to worrisome down the stretch. So um, definitely that factors into my prediction. Uh, the, the Blues have to do a solid job in the third period. That's when the Jets offense is really at its peak. Um, neither team is going to give giveaways. The like winner, I would say Winnipeg in seven like you said uh and i think home ice advantage is where um this is serious because winnipeg has got home ice and we all know how intimidating that barn is uh at that at the same <coughs> juncture i would at the same juncture i would not be surprised if winnipeg gets beat but i think so yeah okay we got him uh, so I guess we're we're the same there as well. Yeah, exactly the same again. Yep. Yep. Um, let's go to Calgary and uh, the Colorado Avalanche here. Um, Calgary has the best record in the Western Conference. They have 107 points, um, and then the Colorado Avalanche just made the playoffs. Um, well, not just made the playoffs. I guess there wasn't really a team that was close, but um, they, had, they had 90 points. Um, yeah, this is kind of like an interesting uh, dilemma here because I feel like they both have somewhat of glaring weaknesses. Um, Calgary's glaring weakness, it seems, is that they're 
Um, you know, I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not convinced of David Riddick being a goaltender, a good goaltender, or Mike Smith being their goaltender. Um, not, but even though like Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, Lindholm, Elias Lindholm, and Matthew Kachuk are all great players for them. It's just I'm not necessarily sure. Um, you're, you're just not sure, and like you're not debating whether or not uh, David Riddick or Mike Smith are good goalies. You're de- you're debating whether or not they're money goalies. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then. And then on the other hand, like, <laughs> there's, like, there's more uh, to Colorado Avalanche who have, um, you know, I mean, they have the top, a great top three players in McKinnon, Manton, and, Land- and Landeskog, um, but their goaltenders are, eh, I mean, Grubauer is pretty good, but um, has been good lately, but, you know. I'm not necessarily sure if he can sustain it for long periods of time either. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I feel like the Calgary Flames have better defensemen and better uh, forward depth um, than Colorado has. Um, so so there's that. I'm going to spoil my prediction here, but let's do players to watch. Um, I think you're going first here. You have Calgary. Okay. Uh, I have uh, Calgary. Yep. Okay. I'm going with Derek Ryan. Um, I know that a lot of people are going to talk about guys like Makachuk, guys like Sam Bannock, Darren Hathaway, as guys that are going to make life tough for the ass with their physical and pesky play because both of these teams are based around skill. And it's just that pesky play that I think is going to give Calgary that extra edge. And, you know, maybe James Neal can emerge as a difference maker if he catches fire as well. But you look at a guy like Derek Ryan, he started to become one of those difference makers in the second half of the season. Um, If you look at his stats since New Year's Day, he has nine goals and 18 assists. So that's 27 points in 42 games. Um, Only has 66 shots, which placed him ninth on the Flames in that category since January 1st. Only has three power play points. Uh, So... I, I think when you look at what he's been able to do and and how he's been able to do it outside of the power play, um, I think that's what is worrisome because this he's doing most of his damage at five on five. Um, he's not relying on the power play, which, you know, teams like Colorado and Calgary, you know, the power play would, you would think that would be a strength for them. Um, the Flames haven't been scorching hot well up a man or two this year. They've been fairly average but they still have a top five offense in the NHL. And that basically tells me that, like I said, at five on five, Derek Ryan's doing well, but the team is doing just as well. And um, I I think offensive depth, especially at five on five, is going to be the mismatch where uh, Calgary gets uh, Colorado in a tough spot. And and, um, I'm not going to give away my my prediction as to whether or not that costs Colorado the series, but... uh, Colorado's going to have to do a lot in order to get past Calgary. And um, if you have guys like Derek Ryan producing, it's going to be even tougher. Yeah, yeah that, that's <laughs> – see, you're surprising me with your with your players yeah. to watch here. Um, <laughs> like, I have my moments. I know, I know. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's fine. 
it is what I wanted. I didn't want you to go like Johnny Gaudreau <laughs> is the player you should watch. So I'm yeah, I'm he's, glad you. Yeah, he's on my fantasy team, by the way. I actually yeah, hope Johnny Hockey is a good player. I know, I know, I am. <laughs> um, let's see here. I was going to go with. Uh, I was gonna go with uh, Carl Soderberg here, um, because okay. I, as I mentioned before, uh, just you know, a minute before here, that uh, you know, like the Colorado Avalanche, they have you know they have three very good players in McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog, um, and that's they're, they're very top heavy. Um, and I feel like the difference maker is going to be the the rest of the team, uh, the rest of the forwards. Um, and Carl Soderberg has 49 points, 82 games played. And I feel like if, you know, the playoffs, like, yeah, of course, if if you have McKinnon performing, if you have Rantanen performing, you're, going, you're likely um, in a good spot there. But... If they're not gonna spot, if they're not going to score, you need depth forward guys. And Carl Soderberg has been ha, needs to be the guy. If the Colorado Avalanche need to pull pull off this upset, Carl Soderberg has to be on top of his game there. Um, just considering he's the best uh, next guy that they have up there, um, so that's. So that's why I feel like, you know, it's more of a guess, a more less players to watch and more depth to watch. Um, you know, because Alexander Kerfoot is another one, JT Comfer, Colin Wilson. Um, I guess defensemen count as depth, don't they? Um, yeah. Tyson Berry, um, even Eric Johnson at sorts. Um, you know, those got all those guys um, that aren't those aren't the top three uh, need to step up because otherwise they're going to lose very quickly if if they if their depth isn't up to par um, of course they uh, the NHL draft lottery is tonight so they Don't may me. <laughs> so they may they may be able they'll have some help with them even if they don't because they'll have at worst they'll have the fourth spot so um so they'll have some help in a couple of years on on this depth front but for now if they want to like go far in the playoffs they need um help on their uh forward depth um so so there's that um is it, is it fair to say they win the playoffs if they win the lottery and get jack hughes yeah i i would i would say so yeah um <laughs> it'd be kind of funny though if they like that's it could happen though. Like they they win the lottery and they like make it to the Western Conference Finals or something like that. That would be kind of funny. Um, let's do our predictions though. Um, yeah, so I feel like both of these teams for me they have their. Oh wait, no, it's your it's your turn to predict. Uh, Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't really care. It's all right. It doesn't um, matter. But if you insist, I will. From a serious standpoint, the Avs don't usually make too many mistakes in the giveaway stack category. They're not good at forcing the issue, though, which, you know, against Calgary, uh, that has a, a lot of offensive talent. Um, that would certainly help if you're able to uh, force uh, them to make some mistakes. So that's 
going to be key for Colorado, who usually starts off slow in the first to begin with. Um, so the starts are going to have to be good. Uh, the good news is they get better in the second. They're absolutely flying in the third period. Uh, unfortunate uh, for Colorado is that Calgary is the best NHL team in the final 20 minutes. Their goals for goals against differential is absolutely insane during the third period. Um, but like Colorado, Calgary has special teams, question marks, goaltending concerns, a few other things to iron out outside of their top six. Um, they need to use their speed to get the abs to make mistakes. Uh, they're solid at doing that. Not good at staying away from making mistakes, so they'll have to clean that up, like I said before. Um, down the line, I have concerns with Calgary, but in this series, I take Calgary to win this in six. Wow. I have Calgary in six as well. Um, <laughs> the trend continues. I know, I know. I, um, yeah, I, I kind of, and also I kind of was about to say too, is that like, I, I have my concerns with the flames, but I have bigger concerns with Colorado. Um, I, as I mentioned before with their forward depth, um, and their goaltending, I'm not necessarily sure if I believe in Grubauer or Varlamov. I'm in a seventh game series, so I believe less in Barlamov than yeah. he's been playing right but now. But like you know, as for Calgary, I feel like they they're gonna be, they might be out in the next round, um, purely because of David Riddick, um, who I'm not sure I believe in, uh, but I, but it's not enough to say that Calgary is gonna lose the series because of it. So I'm going to say the Flames in six. All right. Um, we may actually have end up having like the same final four as well, which would be kind of funny. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see, yeah. Uh, Sharks and Golden Knights are our next team here, um, our next series here. Um, the, the Sharks ended up with 101 points. 101 points um, in 82 games. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have 93 points in 82 games. Um, this is also going to be, speaking of Senators, um, this is going to be your series because it's Mark yeah. Stone versus uh, Eric Carlson. Um, Carlson actually played in his last the last regular season game. He looked all right, I think, but it could take a while for him to actually get his legs here going um, and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the – uh, but, yeah, no, it, it seems like the Sharks are, are an amazing team here. Um, and then you have um, the uh, – Vegas Golden Knights, who kind of struggled to begin the year, but then they kind of like figured things out um, towards the end of the year. Um, so uh, there's that. Um, let's go with. Um, I've lost track. I think I'm, I'll go first here. Yeah, yeah, you go first. Yeah, I think I'll go first the past couple of times. All right. Um, I was going to go. See, it's funny because I got in my own head because I'm not sure if. Who's the best player on the Sharks? I was, I mean, obviously it's Brent Burns is the best player of the Sharks, but I was going, I just wanted to quickly mention, because I remember I mentioned this on a top three, bottom three, uh, when I was mentioning the Sharks before, but Thomas Hurdle is, has the most points 
in uh, as a Sharks forward. He has 74 points in 77 games. But he's not the player I want to watch. Um, and I think you know where I'm going with this because if you remember back when we did our season preview, I was saying how Martin Jones um, is not a good goaltender. And yeah. that was going to be their biggest weak spot forever. And that was my, you know, and I've never been more right. So I feel like um, I should continue to uh, to mention continue this. Continue the trend, buddy. Continue the trend. Yeah, I have to continue this, uh, this narrative here. Um, Martin Jones had 36 wins, t- uh, 19 losses, five overtime losses, which is pretty good because he, mm-hmm. you know, he started in 62 games. But his GAA is 2.94, not good. Mm-hmm. His save percentage is even worse. It's 896 a save percentage. Yeah, um, so not even, not even at 900. Not even at 900. Um, which, not, if, you, if he was at 900, that's not good. Uh, so it's like, um, so the goaltending, like, I, I, the Sharks are a weird team just because of this. Because, like, they're obviously very loaded up front. Um, and their defense, they have two uh, Norris Trophy caliber players in Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, especially Joe Pavelski, Thomas Hurdle, um, even Joe Thornton, Vander Kane. Um, I could go on. Timo Meyer has stepped up. Um, so they're very good up front in the skating stuff. But martin jones like it's it's almost impressive that martin jones has had 36 wins uh despite not being that good um this year so um so that's that's gonna be my big uh like like more like it's a player to watch but it's more like um can martin jones actually be a decent goaltender because if Martin Jones is like he doesn't even have to be like a phenomenal goaltender. He just has to be decent, um, and I, I'd be okay with it. But uh, he hasn't even been that. So, um, so I like his win totals is up there, but his you know his save percentage and his GAA is not there. So I have to continue to say that I feel like Martin Jones is the player to watch, but for the wrong reasons, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, that, that should be an interesting poll question. What, what was the last goaltender to have 36 wins and a GA and a safe percentage like that? Like, yeah. That, that's pretty insane. Yeah. Um, my player to watch for the Vegas Golden Knights is surprise, surprise, Mark Stone. Of course. Uh, prior to this year, he averaged 20 to 25 goals and 60 plus points in three of his last four NHL seasons, and he only played 58 games last year when he had 62 points. Uh, Never recorded over 160 shots in an NHL season until now. Already recorded uh, in his first six games with Vegas, he recorded 20 shots uh, and chalked up one goal and three assists. And early on in his time with Vegas, uh, they were doing pretty well. Um, in a season with a team as bad as Ottawa, he got a career best 28 goals and a respectable 62 points in 59 games. Shooting percentage almost hit 20, 
four game winners were on par with his season average which brings us to what makes him really famous and that's his two-way style of play and I'll, I'll never emphasize this enough he is the takeaway king tied for first with ryan o'reilly in 2014 2015 both had 98 then stone posts 43 giveaways that same year which is inc- which is incredible um 128 takeaways in 2015-16 51 more than second place jeff skinner goes down to 96 in 2016-17 the year the sense almost went to the finals and he's still at 13 more than jacob slavin and finished first in the nhl uh drops down to 59 in 2017-18 but still in the nhl's top 30 despite playing for a bottom five team and this year at the time of his trade at the time of the trade he had 99 takeaways so he's got over 100 takeaways on the year um first in the nhl in takeaways when he left ottawa and they were the worst place in the uh, worst place team in the league by a long shot they ended up finishing in last place even still so over the past four plus seasons stone has probably got if he hasn't gotten 500 takeaways he's very darn close and that's first overall by a wide margin. Um, in fact, it's like over 131 more than Jeff Skinner at the time of the trade to Vegas, which is, again, insane stats. And if you're wondering, okay, well, you know, two-way two forward, like what's his penalty minutes like? Um, his career high in a season for him, the last time I checked, was 38 penalty minutes. And that was a couple of seasons ago with Ottawa, which... Yeah also shows you how disciplined he is and it's the only season at last check where he surpassed 30 penalty minutes and you know you you talk about other defensive stats block passes per game loose pucks recovered again top 10 player in in both of those areas and that was recorded while he was with the sense again a bad team so when, when i take a look at all of that not just to what he provides offensively, what he provides from a two-way standpoint, what he provides from a defensive standpoint. If the Sharks are thinking they're going to beat Vegas, they need to have an answer for what Mark Stone does, and they really need to be disciplined and not give the puck away, which is, I believe, an area in the past where the Sharks have struggled in. Giveaways has been a problem for them. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to argue that I feel like he is the best Vegas player, but I'll I'll let this pass considering <laughs> all your other choices. So, um, I'll 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 let it go. Um, he's not he's not the most dynamic offensive player. Yeah, but he's still a good offensive player, and he does so many other things. Yeah, that that make him a valuable player. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like I guess Jonathan Marchessault is probably their best player, offensive player. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, if, it's close. If, if William Carlson gets hot, then maybe you can make the case for him as well. But he's yeah. kind of he's kind of gone down a little bit offensively this year compared yeah, to yeah. last. But. Sure. Um, all right, let's do our predictions here. Um, I'm see this is tough because I feel feel like this is another one where I feel like it's it's going to be pretty close down the wire, um, but. At the same time, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I feel I feel like that it's hard to go against the Sharks, even though I, <laughs> as you know, I'm 
I, I called Martin Jones not being there. Wait, so. wait, wait. Wait, so let me get this straight. Brett Dubov said Martin Jones isn't a good goalie. Also, Brett Dubov, I still think the Sharks will win this. I do, actually, thing. yeah. I know, I know. It's strange. <laughs> um, but I – you should see my final four. Um, I think <laughs> – I think the sh- I, I think the sharks are gonna win um, in six. Mm. Sharks in six. Well, that is where we disagree, my friends. Wow. Um, I think this thing is gonna go seven games, no matter who's gonna come out on top. Uh, killing penalties is a question mark for both sides. Uh, like you said, goaltending for the sharks is very questionable. Yep. Um, goaltending beyond Flurry in Vegas is also tough to judge. Uh, both teams have only been outshot 24 to 25 times this year. Uh, they don't give up that many shots. Both sides generate a lot of shots as well. Uh, in the middle frame, I would say Vegas is the most prone there. And San Jose is very explosive in the first, but they also give up a lot of goals in the first. So that might cancel itself out there. The reason why I am picking Vegas in seven is because I'm not sure how healthy Carlson and Pavelski are. And I'm sure a lot of the Sens fans and attendants uh, listening to this podcast are going to say, well, Carlson on one bad leg helped the Sens to right. the Eastern Conference Finals, which you know, you're not wrong. I saw it with my own two eyes and make that pass to Hoffman on one bum leg. So, um, Don't remind me. Although, actually remind me because they're, <laughs> they're no longer on good, the team. It was a good play back when the Sens yeah. didn't have any controversy off the ice. Uh, yeah. Probably the only biggest controversy then was getting the bumps in the seats and selling out the place. The irony um, is that it's Carlson to Hoffman there. Yeah, that Carlson to Hoffman, yeah. yeah. A- a- anyways, um, I, just the health of Carlson and Pavelski is my biggest question mark. Not even the goaltending, it's it's that. Uh, if they were 100%, maybe i give this to San Jose, but the way Marc-Andre Fleury has been playing, the way that Vegas handled San Jose last year, gives me enough reason to believe that history will repeat itself Vegas in seven. Yeah, interesting. I but, I don't know. But the sharks, the sharks can roll all four lines, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win. But I think Vegas will. Yeah, I think the the thing is, is like obviously it's gonna hurt when with because I don't know if Eric Carlson is a hundred percent healthy. I don't think and and Joe Pavelski. I kind of forgot about that, but um, he's you know he's he's not you know he's still injured, but. Like, at the same time, they still have a ton of players. And they have, like, Brent Burns, who's arguably the best defenseman in the league. Um, so I feel like the Sharks, like, it, it's obviously it's a tough loss for both those guys. But at the same time, I think the Sharks have enough, like, they have depth in in, tro- in droves, as the saying goes. Um, so they, um, you know... Um, so they may not have Carlson, but they have Brent Burns. They may not have Joe Pavelski, but they have Joe Thornton. They have uh, Timo Meyer, Thomas Hurdle, um, Evander Kane, all those guys. Um, Kevin LeBlanc. So it's I I'm more likely to be. I think the Sharks have the edge. Um, still, I mean, I know the goaltending is not great for the Sharks, but. Um, I, I still feel like they, they can beat the Golden Knights um, in this in this series. Um, all right, let's go to... Uh, now we have our bigger 
um, predictions overall for the playoffs. Um, so who's going to be, we mostly have the same teams making into the second round. Who's going to be, uh, let's, let's go to you first. Uh, who's your final four and then who's going to win the cup? Well, in my rematch of Tampa and Washington in the Eastern conference, um, yeah, how original going to the same two teams that met in last year's. Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think the one team that could mess all of that up is the New York. That's the first round. I can see them changing the landscape a little bit. Um, as far as teams that could make some noise in the East, they'd be my wild card there. But I'm going Tampa and Washington uh, in the East. In the Western Conference, I've got the Preds and Golden Knights doing battle. Um, I don't think Calgary and San Jose have the goaltending needed to push them over the top. There's no way Nashville loses it two years in a row. Um, they're going to have that extra urgency, like I said, to push them into the Final Four. Um, as for a Stanley Cup Final, I think it is going to be Tampa Bay and Nashville. And I don't think the obvious team is going to win. I think the Preds get it done in seven games. This year's got to be their year. Okay, interesting. Um, I, I, I think I went, a, I, I think I became too much of a homer here. Um, I have the Bruins beating out the, the lightning. Um, and then I have the Capitals. Um, and then I have the West Side Story, um, for the, uh, Western Conference Finals or the Sharks and the Jets. Um, and um so it's pretty much like a similar team to last year um and then for the cup um although i do have the bruins beating the the tampa bay lightning i i feel like the capitals usually have the bruins number um and they feel like the capitals are gonna figure things out so they're gonna be my eastern conference team um and i i I predicted that I feel like I should continue with the Jets because um, they were my preseason pick um, to to win the Stanley Cup, and so I have the Jets beating the Capitals in six uh, for the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. I would love to see a Canadian team win the Cup, especially Winnipeg that. Yep. has been starving for good hockey and they've been getting back in the playoffs and they're loving that uh, to win a Stanley Cup would mean so much to that city uh, and it would mean a lot to Canada to watch that team win so yep. um, I would not be I would not be upset I would not be mad at all if the Jets won everything but I just with the way that national season ended like I said before um, all the all the players in that dressing room wanted David Poyle to keep them all together. They wanted one more shot at this and motivation, determination is a funny thing sometimes and it can carry a team and yep. I think it's going to be enough to carry the Predators even past the Tampa Bay Lightning. It'll take seven games like I said, but I think they can do it. Yep, for sure. Um, Alright, uh, so enjoy the playoffs, everyone. Um, our uh, so our our SoundCloud, you can catch us, listen to us on SoundCloud. Um, uh, we're also on Spotify and iTunes. Um, we're 
Um, our Facebook is Lace Em Up. Our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast, um, where we usually just update the latest in hockey news. We'll get to the uh, other NHL news, um, you know, next week, I think. Um, there's yeah, a big and, one. And believe me, and believe me, there's a lot that happened. Yep, and we're we're not even mentioning the lottery. Coach Q are the two biggest ones going to the Panthers, but uh, we'll cover that next week. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 167 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Cool.